Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Secure the Insecure. This is the podcast where I say it's okay to not be okay. I'm Johnny Seafoot, and every week I'm joined by one very special guest. My guest today you will know from appearing on the first proper series of Mad at First Sight UK last year on E4, where she was in a couple of insurance worker Joshua Christie. Away from the TV, she's a sports presenter for the Mirror Football, she's an influencer and she joins me in the studio to talk about how her life has changed over the past year. Mad at First Sight is back and I'm so excited on E4 and so to join me in the studio, it's Amy Christopher. Hello Amy. Hello, how are you? All the better for seeing your lovely little face. <laughs> I loved you on Mad at First Sight last year. It's always interesting to think, well, I'm a journalist first, and then you would be a reality TV star second. Yeah. It didn't change over. I mean, yeah, I actually went on to Married at First Sight for genuine reasons. I wasn't really thinking about the TV career and whatever. And it's really weird, because when you're actually in the situation, you're in the experiment, you do forget, and then you're like, oh, my people knocking on my door. Oh, you've, you've got to get ready for the dinner party. And you're like, oh, for God's sake, I'd rather just stay in with the Chinese with Josh. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, okay, yeah, we're doing this thing. I forgot. Okay, right, let's get ready for it. And it was just like, yeah, it just used to give me anxiety, like ha- having to actually film because it's like things were just so much better off camera. <laughs> it's amazing. And so many people do say that, is that the best moments are away from the cameras than when you're on camera. Yeah, I wish that we could have just like filmed ourselves and then they sort of like just made a montage of all of that stuff. Because one of my favourite moments was when we were on holiday and we were doing the jet skiing and we actually flipped the jet skis. We weren't allowed to talk about it on the show because they didn't film it, it flipping and also like we were told not to flip them and whatever. But we went back on them and yeah, we was going over this massive wave and then Josh just went fully into it. The whole jet ski flipped and then... I, we both went to the bottom of the sea and I was just like flapping about like that. But what the most amazing thing was, my sunglasses didn't fall off my face, which I was really happy about because they're very expensive. So I was like, cool. So the biggest part of the story was about your sunglasses, yeah. not anything else. Yeah. Well, and I nearly died. But yeah, we just laughed about it. We're like, oh, whoa, we laugh in the face of death. <laughs> we do. But your sunglasses stayed on, most importantly. Yeah. I mean, the sunglasses have lasted longer than the marriage. So, yeah, I'm going to big up the sunglasses. <laughs> well, look, we're going to talk about marriage at first sight in a bit. But first of all, as I always do, I want to get back to the beginning of Amy Christopher's life. Mm-hmm. I want to know about you. I want to know how sport came into your life because 
you know, being a girl into sport isn't the norm. Obviously, it's changing now. The lionesses win recently and just women in sport in general. But when you were younger, that wouldn't have been a thing. So where did your love of sport come from? The first place that my mum took me to when I came out of the hospital when I was born was actually a football club. Uh, it was the football club that my granddad founded. My dad was playing. Just plonked me on the table. Everyone came and had a look and went, oh, lovely, another girl and whatever. And it was sort of like, oh, a girl. Do you know what I mean? Because my dad was one of six and they all took over the football club, was player managers and all of that sort of thing. So I think my gran was a little bit disappointed. It was another girl, somebody that wasn't going to follow on the football gene, which is ironic because her name is Jean and... Obviously, I've now made football my life. So, yeah, uh, I just think it's in my veins, really. And then the other thing is, on my mum's side of the family, her dad was really into horse racing and betting, and that's where I started my love of horse racing, was from the betting side of things. So I'm like, wow, this stuff really does actually... Like, it's not to do with your environment. It's actually in your genes. Like, it's in my blood. It's very true, and it's very interesting, because... Even though it's in your genes, you would have been socialised to be, you know, a girl and dress up in pink stuff and whatever. But were you more like a tomboy at school No, then? I was not a tomboy at all. I would get told off for doing my makeup in class. I remember one day I actually brought in, they had um, like these gas canister straighteners. And I just was like, now I, I'm like, I need to get diagnosed with ADHD. But I was very naughty in school. And yeah, just anything I could do to wind up the teachers because I just used to get so bored and I'd be like, look, I'll just do all of this work an hour after school and I'll get it done because, honestly, I, it was too easy for me. So I was just like, oh, I'm so bored. So I just used to get out of my straighteners and start straightening my hair and I was just known as, like, probably the girliest girl in my year. Always wearing makeup, always into the fashion, everything like that. And then I'd try and play football with the boys and they'd just be like, you can't play football with us. And I'd be like, well, I'll take you down and tackle you, mate. Like, give it a go sort of thing. And yeah, they just never were interested in it. And we didn't have football offered to us in PE. But that's something that I want to change now because there are some schools in Cornwall that do offer football to young girls in schools. But there's still a massive majority that don't. So I'm going to be going back to Cornwall and starting a campaign to change that and I want to go into the schools and give a motivational speech to the girls in schools and like oh that would just make me so happy and thinking about it I just get like a little bit emotional because I just think I want to be the person that I would have wanted coming into my school to be like it's okay it's okay to be a girl that likes football it's okay if you're not a tomboy because that's that's the thing like you know, you've just said there where you're a tomboy and that's what everyone assumes. If you're into football, you must be a tomboy. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a tomboy or you're a glamour puss. It's like football's football. If you like the game, it's a game. And it's really weird that in America, well, it's not really weird, but like in America, it's the scene thing to be into soccer if you're a girl. And if you're a guy, you're more into sort of the NFL thing. So... It's just perceptions, really, and I think we just need to just just shake it up a bit and just shake off all these perceptions and just just like what you like. It's interesting when you talk about perceptions because I've never liked football and I had never liked it because when I played at school and I was like six or seven years old and I'd gone to summer camps to play football and it was the thing I did football club at lunchtime. I was just never good at it, and because I was never good at it, everyone else noticed it. And no one tried to make me better. It was just like, okay, well, I'm not good at it. Therefore, I'm not going to play it. And so my love went into EastEnders and Coronation Street. And so I loved the soap operas. 
and that was my passion rather than going oh look at that 1996 squad look there's Michael Owen there's David Beckham let's get into them and follow their careers and everyone else because I think now I can tell you everything about EastEnders couldn't tell you about football and I can't get into football now because it's not just knowing your team you need to know every other team around it yeah and then he needs to know the European leagues as well for the transfers who's coming in it's it's a lot to keep up with and even if I take my like eye off the ball literally eye off the ball for like one day it's like oh it takes me like two days to catch up with like the news and what's happened and stuff um yeah it's just a bit crazy when I the worst thing about being in married at first sight was that I couldn't talk about football I couldn't do anything but obviously I was still keeping up with all of the football and they used to come and get us every Saturday morning to go off and start the dinner party day and they would come in when Soccer AM was on and I'd be like guys please please they're like no we need to go and do your, your VTs and all of your, your voxes and stuff and I'm like no 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 let me just watch this bit and then I'll be there like Soccer AM is one of my favorite shows and every Saturday without fail I will watch it so that really annoys me then I was missing match of the day as well on the Saturday nights because we wouldn't get back until 2am. And another thing, when we were actually on honeymoon, is when the whole European Super League was happening and I couldn't tweet about it. And I was like, people are going to know that I'm away and I'm doing something. Why am I not tweeting about this? This is my life. And obviously I'm going to kick up the fact that Chelsea were even sort of contemplating being involved in this. I was like, I've got so much to say. And then also... Chelsea won the Champions League final and I couldn't say anything either and I was just like oh my god the last time that that happened was 2012 I was away filming The Bachelor so I was just like right do I have to go on a reality show every time that Chelsea needs to win the Champions League (laughs) if so sign me up for another one it's a sign it's a sign (laughs) but it's interesting because you say that and and talking about perceptions again I feel like if you don't like it there's a problem you know, like football is supposed to be, especially in Britain, it's supposed to be this massive thing. And so, you know, for me, not liking it, there's a problem. But equally, you loving it is also a problem. There's no, mm. like, middle line. It's not like some people can and some people can't enjoy it. It's like you either have to enjoy it or you're not allowed to enjoy it. Mm. I just think it's weird, like, you're not allowed to enjoy it. Like, the amount of comments and things that I get, especially, like, if I comment on Sports Bible, and I love Sports Bible, so I want to put my two cents in, you know, and I get trolled so much get back in the kitchen do this you don't know anything blah 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 and it's just like oh okay cool and I just like I just have to really have some willpower not to reply but I just literally want to go in and tell them about themselves but I can't well I saw this post that you did uh about someone who trolled you the other day about a miscarriage that you had and well no they they said um so basically Kurt Zuma obviously there's the whole thing about the cat he kicked the cat so he's now back playing and the uh, the fans of the opposition were going, that's how your cat felt. I think he got tackled or something. They're like, that's how your cat felt. That's how your cat felt. So, you know, everybody on the planet has probably watched Don't Fuck With Cats on Netflix. So I just saw it and I was like, yeah. And then, oh my God, so many people just went in on me and I was like, it's a Netflix documentary. And they were like, oh, but I bet you eat meat and whatever. And I'm like, well, actually, my McDonald's order is actually a McPlant, so stuff you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then uh, somebody was like, oh, but you can have an abortion. And I was just like, what the hell? What has that got to do with me saying that? Just people just get very personal and deep. And I don't know whether that guy knew what happened to me or not. But either way, don't say triggering things like that online. Do you know what I mean? It's just really out of order. And then somebody else today said, please, please, please don't re- reproduce. 
and I'm just like, mm, okay, what gives people the right to say things like that? So, well, I hope you don't reproduce them because you're actually, your mentality is very vile and I don't want that going down the gene line, but here we are. And a second of writing that message is almost like a lifetime that you could be reflecting on that. Same as if you had a hundred nice comments and one not nice comment, you'll always remember the not nice comments, yeah. not the nice ones. Exactly. And things like that do trigger me and I do think about them and then I'm like, why Why am I giving this any headspace? Like, they're a sad, pathetic person at home hiding behind a keyboard. Well, these days, let's face it, it's the phones. It's not even a keyboard. And I shouldn't give them the time of day, but also at the same time... I want to out them for that outrageous behaviour and just be like, no, I will call you out. What's amazing is that you've worked on your mental health to the extent that you have a plan. Comment, share it with everyone, but know in myself that not to get hurt by that. Yeah. And that's a really powerful thing that you've done. I think my skin's literally like concrete now. <laughs> like, I've had to build up such a hard skin to all of this stuff because I've been in this industry since I was 18. I'm 35 now. So... The things that I've been getting trolled about have changed with the different paths that I've taken, but ultimately, mainly comes down to how you look. Basically, it's not anything to do with like who you are as an actual person or your brain or anything like that. It's it's just all really superficial things or deep things that like that that they know are obviously going to trigger you that you're going to reply, and that's what they do it for. They do do it for a reaction, but I just think. Sometimes they just need outing. Well, it wasn't just even online. There was that video that went viral of you at the races where the guy uh, slapped your bottom. Oh, yeah. And, uh, that was a fun day. <laughs> those who haven't seen it, what actually is staggering about it is that, number one, you noticed it straight away, and number two, you react to it. Because mm-hmm. some people just go, oh, just let it be, let it be. And you reacted to it straight away, as yeah. you should, and called him out on it. What then happened after that? What was the back... Did you face any backlash? Because I imagine, again, with the trolls oh, yeah. of, like... Yeah. You must have been trolled for that. Of again, how dare you say no to that? It was it was all about looks. Well, look at you. You can't be dressed like that. And not, well, sorry? So if you stumble across a nudist beach, you're going to go and rape everybody on it because they're naked. Were they asking for it? No. Like, I'm at the races. I like fashion. I want to wear what I want to wear. I've got big boobs. I can't always cover them in certain things that I'm wearing. And, yeah, it's just ridiculous comments. Like, it shouldn't even come down to what I'm wearing. That guy, no matter how drunk he is, should keep his hands to himself. And that's the end of it. But as soon as it happened, I was... Obviously, I was being filmed at the time. So I just had to remain professional. So I was just like... But I was in a bit of shock. Like, I can't believe that just happened. Like, what the hell? And I look at the cameraman like, oh, my God, did that just happen? And then as soon as he stopped filming, I turned around and I said, do you really think that's appropriate in this day and age? And he was just like, oh, relax, love, and all of that. And his friends weren't saying anything. I said, look at your friends' faces. I said, they're not amused. I was like, you've really shown yourself up. I was like, you need to have a word with yourself. Um, He didn't apologise or anything. He just told me to cheer up and whatever. And I was just like, okay, whatever. I went straight back to the press room. They were like, oh, should we go off and do something else? I said, no, I'm going to go to the press room in a minute. Um, I just said, where's the manager? I want to speak to the manager of the course. Like, this isn't on. Like, I need to find out who this guy is. He shouldn't be allowed. Like, I'm, I'm a strong person, but, you know, I can handle situations like that. I used to run a nightclub. And, you know, when I was 18, I was running a nightclub. So I'm used to being around very drunken men, things like that. But... What if that was somebody that was vulnerable? Do you know what I mean? It's like, I can take that, but you can't just go around 
slapping people's asses or, or you know thinking you've got the right to touch people that's the main thing you know I can have a laugh and stuff like that but that wasn't that wasn't a laughing situation so anyway I went into the press office I just said yeah like I do want to make a formal complaint against this guy and whatever and I want him to be banned for life and they're like oh and I think that they thought that I was like joking and being like oh it's a bit far isn't it like oh it's just a slap and I'm like well no it's just a slap but then what is it next do you know what I mean you don't know with these people so yeah I just put out like a, a national manhunt on him the messages that I got Everybody straight away was like, oh, it's this guy here. Oh, he's known for being sexist. Oh, he's work for him. Yeah, he's a bit touchy and all of that. And honestly, the things that I was hearing, I was like, well, I'm really glad that I did actually call him out. He contacted my employer. He contacted my agent. He also contacted me via LinkedIn and some other places. Not to apologise, but to ask for my number so he could call me. Now, he could be cool. He could be wanting to call me because... He wants to tell me that I've ruined his life or, you know, this, that and the other, which, no, sorry, you've ruined your own life. You shouldn't have been doing things like that. Or to apologise. But if you're going to apologise, do it in the message. If he'd apologised, I would have been like, okay, yeah, I'll speak to you now. But apologise first. I'm really sorry. Please can I call you so I can actually apologise and yeah Exactly. I'd like to speak to you like, oh, my behaviour was out of order. I'd had a few too many drinks. And I would have totally been like, all right, look, cool like these things happen and whatever but just his oh his whole attitude still then was stinking and I was just like no mate sorry so was that it was that the end of it well it's like you don't get to slap my ass and then get my number like (laughs) how does that work (laughs) so yeah he uh he got banned from Beverly Racecourse and Uh, has he messaged you since to say like how dare you or I am sorry now or in hindsight so even though it became a national news story he still didn't realise how bad it was no amazing yeah a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. First sight last year. Show that came back with a vengeance of the, a couple of years where it didn't really do anything, but obviously the Australian series really kicked off on E4 during lockdown. And Australia just blew up, you know, the drama, the dinner party, everything. That's what Channel 4 really wanted to ignite here. But rather than be Love Island style of these are influencers, this was very much about finding love. You know, the goal of the show from a, du- a production point of view is ideally let's get eight couples who can all actually be in love and have an, a future together and we can go that started on our show we also is there's still two couples together and it's amazing that you can actually do that and in an australian season you know cam and jules who are like our oh, golden couple have a kid now so why did you want to do that show it was lockdown i was back living in cornwall my mum had just had a stroke there was a number of things that had happened obviously i'd lost the twins um a year before that I was engaged to somebody and then he left and it was just like bloody hell just yeah just loads of different things that were quite unfortunate happened and I was just getting a bit fed up and then I was back in Cornwall and not you know I can't really date in Cornwall like that because Cornwall's a small place and probably related to them so (laughs) you got to be careful I'm from a very big family and yeah it's just generally like not my type like mindset wise i love the country living and all of that sort of stuff but i'm a city girl at heart which is weird because it's like obviously my heart will always be in cornwall i love nature and i love the sea and whatever but i need that fast-paced life the hustle the hype like that's what i'm about the grind cornwall's just very laid back and (laughs) it's too sleepy for me so i need to be in the city so the guys that are down there are just too laid back for me and they just, I don't know, they're not driven. And, yeah, so it's not for me. And I was just like, God, how much longer am I going to be in Cornwall? Like, I need, to, I want to go back to London. I want to do this. Like, lockdown's going on. And I just thought, this year's basically a write-off. I was just speaking to one of my friends. And I was like, God, I wish that there was, like, a thing where you could just say to people what your type is. And then they just find you a husband or whatever. And she was like, oh, we're married at first sight. Why don't you apply for it? And I was like... Oh, my God. Like, and I remember, I think I was, like, 13 or 14. I think it was actually Jeremy Kyle that set it up, like, on some kind of radio thing in Birmingham or something. Yeah, and then, B- B-R&B. Yeah. On his uh, late-night confession, Jez's confession show. But it became, like, they followed them and then they did a documentary. And I, I didn't know about the radio thing, but I remember it being, like, on a documentary that these people had got married and then they, f- like, self-filmed themselves through their first month of being married to a stranger and that just always stuck in my head and I was like oh I'd love to marry a stranger and then so I was just having this chat with my friend and she was like oh well there's a show called Married at First Sight but I was like great oh my god I'm gonna apply for that that sounds amazing I sent them an email they replied straight away and was like can you send us over a tape and I was like oh my god okay and then I was like right 
I was just sat down overthinking, like, right, okay, um, what do I say or whatever? And then I thought, you know what, I'm not going to overthink it. I'm just going to turn the camera on and I'm just going to tell them the shit that I've been through and, like, why I really want this. And I need help. <laughs> I still need help. <laughs> yeah, that was that, really. I was just very vulnerable. It was supposed to be a one-minute video. Ended up, I think it was about nine minutes or something. I completely broke down. I cried. Like, every emotion came out. I was talking about my mum's stroke, about the twins, just, yeah, everything. And also, being a girl in sport and working around males, like, the only people that I'm with like industry people and like you know I'm interviewing footballers or whatever and it's like well I can't be unprofessional and be like oh by the way do you like to go for a drink where do I meet guys do you know what I mean so yeah it was just tricky I was just like I don't think I'm ever gonna meet anyone so I just thought well I've got nothing to lose this year's basically a write-off I might as well try and find a husband put my faith in the experts see what happens so as a journalist, you're going in from kind of one medium to another medium. Mm. You obviously know the way TV works, the way the world works. You know, you've done I mean, I, a lot of it I already. I thought I did. Ah, okay, I so tell me. I thought I did. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was like, what I should have known is if you don't say it, it can't be aired. Do you know what I mean? Yep. But there was a lot of things where you think, oh, the cameras aren't running and stuff, and I'd like... Or there was a bit where I was like, oh, I'm not doing this anymore. And I took my mic off and like threw it on the grass and walked off. And they made it look like I was being like that with Josh. And, and I actually wasn't. I was just having a really bad day. I didn't want to film that day. Everybody, trust me when I say everybody in the process had their bad days. Some had a few. I had that one horrific day on the honeymoons where I just couldn't take any more. I didn't want to be filming. I literally wanted to go home. It wasn't to do with Josh. I just literally had enough of the process. And I just wanted to go. I mean, the day before, Josh was literally losing his and wanted to go as well. So that was that. But obviously, you're in a contract and you can't go anywhere and you've got to literally film. But if I was at home in the real world, that would have been a day where I would have just stayed in bed and cried. Do you know what I mean? Not wanted to do anything. And I was like, oh, I've got to really pull my shit together to go and do it. So I'm literally like, I've just had a massive breakdown. And then I like go through the doors and I pulled myself together, put on the bloody sombrero and I came out and I was like, ta-da, okay, right, I'm ready. Let's do this, guys, a dinner party. Okay, great, right. I'm in a better mood now, let's do it. They didn't show any of me being happy and doing all of that. They just showed all of the miserable bits. And I was like, I, it took me so much strength to pull myself out of that shitty hole that I was in that day to actually, you know, put a smile on my face or whatever. And I was like, pretend I'm happy or whatever. But it wasn't anything to do with Josh or the situation. I was just literally at the end of my tether. And sometimes you just have bad days. But as you say, there was a storyline. Every single person who does a show like that has a role to play, whether it's Love Island or Steps Go Dating or Mad at First Sight. Everyone's got a role to play within their own couples, within their own programme. As you said, you know, you were that kind of miserable person at times. But what role do you think you played on the show? I thought I was the joker because I was I was constantly like it was like I was back at school. I was just making quick one liners, you know, bantering off. Me and Bob were like bloody double act talking about football, trying to be funny. And we were trying to out funny each other. Sorry, Bob, I am funnier than you. <laughs> just got to get that little dig in there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was... Uh, I, I thought I was, like, the fun, happy one because that's how I genuinely am. And then when my friends were watching it, they were like, oh, my God, 
who is this? Like, God, you must have been really miserable because we've not seen you like this. Like, this isn't the Amy that we know. Everybody that knows me and, like, industry people as well, they're like, oh, my God, you're literally the first one, like, on the dance floor, last one to leave the party. Like, that's not you at all. So it was really weird watching it back as well because I was just like, what? Oh, my God, that's the narrative they've gone with. Okay. Well, also, they had the problem that the Australian series blew up. We were so used to dramas at the dinner parties that they needed to emulate that yeah. for this audience because Mad at First Sight hadn't really done well prior to the Australian series going right. out. But I'm just annoyed that I came across as, like, like a stroppy brat because it's like, I'm actually not like that. Well, did they do anything? Because I've spoken to so many people who have done Love Island who have kind of said, look, the producers put us in these situations. They knew what they are getting themselves into. Did they put you into situations to know that's going to ignite angry Amy. So forget what the Amy yeah. Josh lovey-dovey bit is. Not giving angry me Amy. enough alcohol and giving me food I can't bloody eat. Of course that's going to piss me off. So you were drinking the pre-mixers, then you'd be shut off for ages on your own. Is this dinner party nights? Yeah. So you'll so come into mixer. them. So let's take everyone, take everyone through it. Right, so you arrive there at like nine o'clock in the morning. You'd have to be ready half past eight. Nine o'clock in the morning between... I don't know now because I'd start watching Soccer AM so it must have been a little bit after that. I think it was probably about 11 o'clock you'd leave so I'd just get to watch a little bit of it. Anyway, and then you'd go off, get to the place because it used to take us like an hour and a half to get there. Then you'd get mic'd up, you'd go and do your voxes like, oh, tonight's dinner, like, tonight's the dinner party and oh, I've got to face more egg after she told me that Josh DM'd her and you know, all of that gubbins see so going on and you're like oh yeah i'm gonna tell her a thing or two about herself and the only thing that's being served tonight's drama but also <laughs> for those that. that don't know as well that what's brilliant about this i've done it as well <laughs> i'm actually is, best friends with morag now so it's actually no, it's, we it's, laugh about this so much it's not that bit it's uh I know, but when you're talking to the camera, you're doing those voxes, what the producers are saying behind the camera. And so they're yeah. like, don't look at the, don't look into the camera, look to the right. Yeah, look and at me. Look at me. <laughs> and, but you are, you are annoyed about, you are annoyed at Mora, aren't you? Oh well, yeah, but not really. I, I'm know, just I, excited to see everyone and have a fucking wine. No, but you are really annoyed <laughs> yeah. because Mora's really upset. Yeah. But tell us that. And you're and like, I'm like, oh, I'm not. Want... Yeah. And I'm literally saying like, well, I'm not bothered. It was before we met me, like at the end of the day. He married a stranger, so, you know, I didn't know him before that, so I don't really give a shit. But then you're like, do you know what? I'm a bit peckish now. I want to go and eat. So I'll tell <laughs> you what you want me to put in that box so I can actually get onto it. You know, I've done this. We know how it works. Uh, I'm saying nothing. <laughs> I'll say it. Sorry, you thought I'm saying it. It's true. You do the box pops, and then what happens? Yeah, so then you go into the mixer, and oh, my God, that one with, with the DM was the most tension and the way that they sat us it was like yep here's our two clicks and it was just like side iron central nobody was talking they're like so guys we need to talk about you know how your week's been and whatever and we're like yeah it's been great <laughs> it was just like oh shit this is gonna kick off later but yeah so you'd have a few drinks there and like i'm one of those people that i'm like oh i can get drunk on one drink so i'm like oh and then i've got a taste for it well, no, I'm getting tipsy now, and now you're going to go and lock me in a room for bloody two hours before our dinner's ready. By that point, I've probably had, like, one or two glasses of champagne, and, like, you know, I want to go dancing on tables and paint the town red and whatever, and then I've got to sit there. So then you get in a slump, and then you've got to go back out and get drunk again. But by then you're like, 
I'm just tired now. I want a kebab. I'm just yeah, so like having that drink at one o'clock in the morning in a nightclub after you've finished drinking, you're like, oh, it's nearly time to go out. Yeah. Have one more. Or like, you know, your, your lunchtime drinking, you've had a few too many or whatever, and then you go home. And then if you've got to go back out later that night, you'd be like, no, I'm absolutely staying in. So then you'd have to go back out and do the dinner party. Now, I'm lactose intolerant and gluten intolerant. So once you're sat down at that table, like, you can't break the screen like the smoke and mirrors or whatever you've got like all of the cameras and crew and whatever behind you and three well there was only i think there was only three dinner parties also four can't remember um but basically every single time they've fucked up my food the caterers and i'm like just sat there miserable and i'm starving i've just got pissed and now i'm sober again i'm starving i want to eat and i can't eat it and then the worst time was when there was asparagus covered in butter. And I was like that. Ah, and I, I turned to Josh and I was like, there's butter on this asparagus. Because you like, you can't just shout it out. Be like, excuse me, I need some new asparagus. So, I mean, one time I did and I was literally like, I am not speaking. I think I even like slammed my hands on the table. I was like, I'm not speaking. And guys, no one talk until they get us more wine. <laughs> so I was just like, no, they're like, there's no more wine. I was like, well, we're not speaking then. Get us some more wine. I was like, nobody says anything. And I was just like, come on, we all need to stick together as a group. So I need another bloody drink. <laughs> and it was the same like with the food. I think one time I did actually say like, sorry, guys. And everyone's like talking. And then I'm like waving my hand like it's at school. And I'm like, I really can't eat this and I'm starving. Can you get me something else, please? It's like, it ruins the illusion, obviously. But yeah, I wasn't going to sit there like just miserable poking around my bloody buttered asparagus. There was a few of us that are proper foodies. So we'd be like, hold on. And they'd be like, no, do you want to chat about that? I'd be like, no, wait, I'm bloody eating my dinner. <laughs> you can wait. <laughs> it's dinner time. And they have their Nando's very quickly, very early on. You're like, uh, we've not eaten yet. Yeah. Right. I actually did start taking in my own food in the end. I learned and I was like, no, nah, I'm going to make my own veggie chili. So I used to make a chili for me and Marilise because she's vegetarian. So I'd take, I used to take that in for me and Marilise because I was just like, by the time it gets to that, like, I don't want to be miserable looking at my food. 100%. With the Australian series being so big and those dinner parties being so big, was there pressure on you to act certain ways or was there pressure from the producers to make these dinner parties as explosive as they can be because we know what we were expecting? I mean, I don't think that we ever felt pressured because we weren't really, like, aware of that. Like, oh, we didn't know how they wanted our series to be. We were just living it. Do you know what I mean? But then, obviously, certain things keep getting asked to you from producers and then you're like, oh, they're clearly getting pressured. They want some drama or whatever. And um, I remember... Oh, my gosh. Right. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Exclusive time. Now it's just sitting down. <laughs> I forgot about this. Right, so the last dinner party, they actually... This is a storyline that never got aired. So they actually wanted me to flirt with Luke. So I was flirting with Luke. And they, um, and I said, look, I know how you might edit this. You might make it look like I fancy Luke and I'm trying to get with Luke. And then you're going to try and make it look like I'm trying to get back at Morag for the whole DM thing or whatever, because that had just happened the week before. So I was like, mm, I'm not stupid here, guys. So I was like, look, if this is going to come to fruition, it has to come from Josh. Josh needs to suggest it. I'm not suggesting it. So Josh was like, oh, Luke and Morag have been having their problems, whatever. I think Morag needs to realise what she might miss or, you know, what she might potentially lose. Because she's not, not valuing Luke, but, you know, she was just a bit like... she just been on home visits with Luke. And I think, not complacent, but 
I think she just needed shaking up to realise how much she liked Luke. So maybe the fact that she might, like, you know, somebody else is flirting with him, she'd be like, we just wanted her to claim him, be like, no, that's my Luke, I, like, blah, blah, blah. So that was sort of the angle that the producers wanted. They wanted me to go in, flirt with him. And like, it was all for the greater good to make her realise that she liked Luke. So anyway, I'm doing all this and I'm doing my voxes and I'm like, oh yeah, I was feeling his arm. Like, what's that feel like? Oh, husband material. Like, really cheesy. And honestly, Josh was like, I've got no worries after this experiment. You cannot flirt for shit. And I was like, oh my God, I'm the worst flirt. Uh, I'm just all about the eye contact and seduction. Do you know what I mean? But I couldn't do that with Luke. It was just weird. Luke was like my brother. So I was just like, how can I make it look like I'm flirting with him like on the camera? So I was just like doing proper cheesy stuff. Because I was like, oh my God, this is so cringe. I'm just going to have a laugh with it. And then I think there was one bit where I was like sat on Luke's lap or something. And I was like, oh, have you been working out? And all of that. But Morag didn't cotton onto it at all. And Josh was like, yeah, because you're so shit at flirting. Like she thinks you're taking the piss. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, there you go. That's that storyline. And that's my five minutes of camera time for this yeah, episode. Like, gone. That's, that's that done. And then, um, and, but then Morag actually broke down at the table. And like said, she realizes how much she likes Luke. And then I was just like, oh, send on my box. I was like, abort mission, abort mission. She's finally realized. And I was like, oh my God, now I just look like an obed. But luckily they didn't show that bit, so it was fine. But actually, I think it would have been quite funny if they did show that and then me saying abort it. But yeah, that's that's how it was. And then afterwards I said to her, look, this is what was happening. She goes, oh my God, was that flirting? <laughs> I was like, yeah, don't worry about it, it's fine. <laughs> So that's the dinner parties. What about that first day, that wedding day, that iconic day where you're standing at the aisle, all the cameras are around you, all your family and friends who are chosen are there, and you walk down the aisle to meet Josh. Do you remember that day? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> so like what happened on that day? And was that, in your head, your wedding day? Or yeah. Or is, is this a TV show? No, no, 100%. Like so take me through that whole day and that build-up. And did you have a hen do as well? So I had a secret Hindu on Zoom with my friends while I was in isolation. And they like, they sent me to the hotel, like Willy stuff and all of that. So yeah, proper like went for it. And I genuinely felt like that was my hen party. Like I was so invested in this, like that's what I wanted. And I even woke up at 4am on my wedding day and changed a bit of my vows. Because I, I woke up like in like a sweat being like, oh my God. The fact that this might actually be the love of my life and my life could change from this. And like, this is it. Like, petrifies me. And like, why does it petrify me? This is what I want. I mean, I'll get back to another point about that in a minute, about like fear and whatever. I had no water at my hotel in the morning. And I was like, I need to have a shower. I can't get married without a shower. So I had to wait an hour for them to come and fix the water. So then that made me late. It was raining. So my wedding was outside and they got everybody back in, but I'm in the car waiting. Not that my nerves were like high anyway. Do you know what I mean? They just kept me waiting for an hour outside. So my nerves were literally doing the most. And the walkie talkie in there, they went, oh, get Josh in, get Josh back out of position. And I was like, oh my God, my husband's called Josh. And one of the girls had already told me about some of the husbands because one person had found out who the husbands were and whatever. So they looked them up. Luckily, I hadn't looked anyone up. But I remember this bride telling me that Josh was the hottest one. And I was like, okay. And I was like, oh, the hottest one. I was like, yes. So I'm literally like doing a little happy dance in like the back of the car. And then in comes one of the producers. And he's like, how are you feeling? All right, right, we're about to go now. Like, yep. So we're going to pull up. Once the car's stopped, 
someone will come and open the door, you get out, just walk straight down the end of the aisle and then you're getting married. And I was like, okay. And then I went, oh my God, I know I've got the fittest husband. And then he's like, what, what? I was like, my husband's called Josh. And he was like, oh my God, don't say anything to anyone. I'll lose my job. And he's like, how did you find out? I was like, it doesn't matter. I'm really happy. I'm really happy. And he's like, okay, okay. Anyway, so what they don't tell you is that there's not going to be any music. No one's going to say like, okay, action. Like I was thinking, okay, right, we're going to start filming now. Action. No, deadly silent. You get out. Obviously, you're already being filmed. But I'm just like, I, I didn't know. I was just like, I got there. And then I'm looking around. No one's saying anything at all. And I'm like, hiya. <laughs> so, you're Josh, are you? Hello, I'm Amy. Like, it was just really, like, the most awkward moment of my entire life. But that's quite natural, wasn't it? That that wasn't staged. You didn't have to do retakes. That was as it was. Yeah, but it was really awkward. I wish that they told me there's not going to be any music. I've... I thought I'd be walking down the aisle to some music and it would feel like a wedding. It felt like I was walking death row. Like it was and yet really you work eerie. in the media and you still haven't worked out how PRS works. No, but I hadn't... Like, the last time that I did something on TV was 2012, like when I was a glamour model. So, I mean, I've been involved in sports things since then. So it's not really the same thing. And I've like, yeah, I just... I really thought that it was going to be more like a wedding than a show i so, don't know but what happened, i went into it very naive i think but then you get to your wedding night and you have your dinner and the speeches and the dance and whatnot did that feel like the wedding no that felt like i was filming hollyoaks okay right we just need to get this shot like it was completely not i didn't even speak to josh i spoke to him like for two minutes and we just kept getting dragged away to go and film other things and whatever I remember they they took me away and Josh after we just literally got married. And then they were like, so what do you think about him? This, that and the other. And I was like, oh, well, I don't know. Like, I mean, I've only said hello to him. Yeah, but, you know, what you... and I was like, no, I literally don't know. I was like, I don't even know how old he is and all of that. And then they were like, oh, he's 26. And I was like, 26? I was like, oh, my God, okay. Uh, <laughs> right? And, yeah, it was just it was just weird. And then even at the end of the night, they take you back to the hotel in separate cars because they don't want you getting to know each other too well off camera. They want everything to be, like, organic. But obviously it's just awkward. And then once we'd actually had, like, a night on our own, like the wedding night, and we were, like, up chatting and whatever, it was just so much better. What was your relationship with the experts like? You know, you had Paul C. Brunson, who'd come from Subsco Dating. You had Mel Shillings, who'd come from North Australian City. You had Charlene, who is just an amazing sex expert. Yeah, so I speak to all of them still um quite regularly actually and uh yeah i love them and did you feel like you were having therapy with them like did you feel they took you on a journey yeah definitely and um mal is so intense when you're sat in that chair and she's looking at you like oh oh my god like some days i just wanted the ground to open me up because i'm like she stares right through you she is looking into your soul so i went into it being like what if this could be the love of my life like but then in my head and this is where you know, my trauma comes into play and I'm like, yes, but he could be the love of your life, but he's going to run away. They always do. Like, this isn't going to last. And that's just like what I always have in my head. And I remember saying that on the couch to Mel and she was like, he's not all your exes. Like, this is a brand new person. And he's like, are you going to run away? And he's like, no, I'm here. Like, I want to make this work and whatever. And I was like, but still part of me couldn't relax and be like, he is going to be here. Because I was like, as soon as this experiment's done, I just think he's going to be off. And inevitably, that is what happened. But then it's like, is that because I'm sort of dispelling that 
out into the universe and then he's picking up on those vibes as well and just being like, oh, I don't know. So what have you learned about yourself since the process, since, you know, a year has passed, since you had those therapy sessions? What have you learned? Have you learned to detach yourself from that idea that people are going to run off? Not yet. I'm still, it still plays out. So that's still something I've got to work through. And I think, you know, I'm single again now. I did meet somebody else the start of a year. I was with him for three months, got a house together and, you know, all of that jazz. It was very quick. I think I learned quite a lot from that. It was just basically a mistake. I shouldn't have done it. It was a mistake. It was too early. I was still on the rebound. And, yeah, I just, you know, I had somebody come into my life that was promising me all of the things that I wanted. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is how it's meant to happen. This is what I've been waiting for. And it's like, actually, no, he was really waving a massive red flag at me. He was basically a red flag. And I was like, yes, this is what I want. And, yeah, I shouldn't have. I should have just been like, no, be sensible about this. Like, this is ridiculous. He doesn't even know you and he's saying he loves you after, like, one day it's ridiculous but you know we live and learn and i've definitely learned from that now i can swap red flags a mile away and i think yeah like josh always said to me the reason why he felt a bit thingy about opening up to people is because if you do open up to people they eventually use the information your vulnerability against you and i was like oh my god who the hell's doing that and whatever because i've never experienced that but i experienced it in my last relationship so I'm like, yes, Josh, if you're listening, you are right. And I'm never going to be that vulnerable with somebody again and open up because they did use it against me. I feel like I understand Josh more as a person now from that previous experience, like aftermath. That's why you've got to secure the insecure. You have. So the reunion show is coming, the one year on. Obviously, Josh isn't going to be part of the show. If you could speak to him now, what would you say to him? I just want to say that I'm glad... All the things that he said that he wanted to do, he's doing now. And I know he's working very hard to have got himself there. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm really pleased for him and I'm really proud of him. Amy Christopher's there. Mad at First Sight is back on E4 this month, every single night. Just one of the best reality shows. You know, <laughs> E4 are amazing, okay? We've got Mad at First Sight, then we get into Celebs Go Dating with Made in Chelsea all around it. It's the channel to watch between now and December. And then, obviously, Mad at First Sight Australia will be back in January. And then you've got Below Deck as well. E4 is an amazing channel. Mad at First Sight is an amazing show. Amy Christopher's is an amazing person. And this is an amazing podcast. You've been listening to Secure Insecure with me, Johnny C. If you like what we had, please do go and subscribe to it on iTunes. Leave a five-star rating and leave a review. And on Spotify, just a five-star rating. Then on Instagram, go on there, at Secure Insecure Podcast, at Johnny C. Let me know that you've listened to this episode and that you've learned something. Learn from Amy's pearls of wisdom. Learn the secrets of Mad at First Sight. Because when you watch it, you'll be going, I know what they're doing. And you'll be ahead of the game because you heard it here first on security and security thank you so much for listening i've been johnny seafoot until next time thank you and goodbye
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.